Hey gang, this is Trent Chattaker, chiropractor and advocate for chiropractors who locate, analyze, and facilitate the correction of vertebral subluxation for the better expression of the body's innate intelligence. Welcome to today's tick, where each week we study a chiropractic principle, question, or chiropractor to help you acquire today's philosophy, science, and art of chiropractic. Thank you for investing your time with us as a student of chiropractic. Now let the class begin. R.W. Stevenson states in his 1927 chiropractic textbook, We began at a following period to study the spine from a mechanical point of view. Until this time, the only people who attempted to study the spine as a machine were osteopaths, although pathologically they still regarded man as chemistry and physics. We confined our observations and mechanical ideas to the spine, so much so that we brought out the knowledge of the kinematics of the spine, both normal and abnormal, as to position, opposition, and subluxations. We then began to study of the pathological, traumatic, and anomalous conditions of the spine. At that time began the gathering of the osteological collection, which we now possess. For the purpose of educating the theories then held in propagation of others, it became necessary that we know the human spine. That was the keynote of the study of causes of diseases of man. We studied spines of all characters, thousands of other bones that we might better reach a new thought or idea in progress. How well that has done you today. Hours, months, and years were spent in the study of dead bones to be able to give thoughts that may be taught in a few minutes. Yet it took years to reach the conclusions given in a few minutes. R.W. Stevenson in today's tick, we're going to grow in our understanding of spinal function and specifically the state of function term tensegrity and how form relates to function at that spinal tissue level. As you listen, make sure you share us with your friends, classmates, and colleagues, and feel free to tag us at today's tick. I'll let the class begin. With a perspective about spinal function as a three-dimensional network of tissue with tension and responsiveness that equals the state of form, this will allow us to take a deeper look at how this part of the body takes on the day-to-day -day stress and turns it into a biomechanical function for overall well-being of the body. You see, the spine is the fulcrum point that takes on compressive forces and provides a framework of stability for the body as a whole. And in order for the spine to adapt to forces from multiple angles with a mobile base of support, Spinal integrity is created through a network of tissue that can distribute stress throughout the entire float and fulcrum points that contract and expand as forces are applied to the body and spine from multiple angles. Adapting to forces from multiple angles requires a state of compression and expansion similar to an inflated balloon. This distribution of forces for optimal integrity is referred to tensegrity, which has been discussed on previous episodes. Spinal tensegrity is characterized as an architectural principle of spinal stability 
built from a three-dimensional structure, which we're referring to as the spine, that's under contiguous tension with all parts of the structure. Not continuous, but contiguous. You see, this principle describes the balance between stress affecting the spine through a state of compression within the vertebrae, the disc, the connective tissue, and the nerves. So that the body's inherent recuperative response to stress can occur through expansion and adaptation. This back and forth of compression and expansion creates a form of tonal tension throughout the entire network of floatum fulcrum points within the spine. The floating fulcrum points in spinal tensegrity can be labeled the vertimere, which has also been discussed on previous episodes. The vertimere is a chiropractic term that describes the vertebrae, the disc, the connective tissue, and the nerves embedded throughout that tissue. It's kind of like when you're a child playing with those building blocks that require you to put a stick in a ball, and the ball has multiple holes where the sticks can go in. The ball would be referred to as that vertimere where it all comes together and the sticks would be the tension and the tone that's created throughout the tensegrity that we're discussing here today. You see, the vertimere becomes a mobile float and fulcrum point to forces by adapting to the load or stress by slightly expanding across the network of tissue. As the stress increases, so does the state of tissue compression. It's a back and forth, in and out, compress and expand form of adaptation. In an effort to respond, it does so through a change of tone or change of tension across the spine in different areas. Compression and expansion within the spine creates a state of form to function. Form and function relate to each other, and when you change the form, that changes the function. When you change the function, that changes form. Changing the form of the spine creates a necessity for a response to stress to occur. A response to the change of form creates a new form as expansion in a different part of the spine. No matter how small the size of stress to the spine, change can and does occur to the whole network of spinal tissue in response for an optimal state of spinal integrity to occur. This process of adaptation to stress is contiguous in nature, and contiguous can be defined as sharing a common border or having a sequence of events occurring. And I think it's both. Continuous, contiguous compression is both. It's sharing a common border through tension, and it's having a sequence of events, which is the distribution of stress. Contiguous compression and expansion of forces within the spine means large stressors should only cause small deformation. Think about it. If you put too much stress into the spine and all that stress boils into just one area, that area would be overloaded in regards to what it can handle. But if there's functionality within the spine that allows it to change its form, 
that allows a small distribution or a distribution of the stress that's affecting the spine to change form across multiple floating fulcrum points which allows just a small change in formation to occur rather than a complete deformation. But now we can look at it from the opposite perspective and we could say small stressors, more specifically repeated small stressors, can also create a change not just to one area of the spine but to the whole formation. And that does occur for natural adaptation to occur, but this can also create a state of compensation as well, such as sitting at your desk for too many hours during the day, or having a forward head posture carriage where your head is tilted in one direction repeatedly over and over. This can create a whole formation change or deformation to occur. So this form of adaptation to stress dissipates the change of tension across the network of tissue, across the whole network of tissue. We need to look at the spine as one unit, not separate cervical, thoracic, lumbar, or sacral iliac regions. It's not a neck or low back issue. It's a spinal issue. It's a network of tissue issue. There's a contiguous adaptation to the stress to protect the whole integrity of the structure. It's a holism viewpoint. And rather than having just one breaking point that would create a more volatile structural system, there's multiple breaking points and there's multiple floating fulcrum points in order to dissipate the stress so that the tissue can compress and expand in multiple areas. The breaking point of the weakest area gets shared with the strongest areas until that load is there, they're met as well. So it dissipates until that weakest area can no longer take on that dissipated stress level. Just like you've heard the weakest link in the chain breaks the whole chain. That's the viewpoint that you can see the spine as. It's a whole chain of links built together and when you pull on that chain the weakest link is going to break the entire chain. It's a systematic form of bearing stress due to the three-dimensional mobile base architect of the spine that we carry with us on a day-to-day -day living. So the body is a living, breathing organism, and that living, breathing organism literally defies most, if not all, man-made architectural creations. And tensegrity within the body and spine specifically is the most logical approach to how the body's inherent recuperative powers of, of adaptation can resist the daily stressors in an ever-changing external and internal environment that affect the stability and functionality and form in order to adapt. The principle of tensegrity and adaptation through compression and expansion through multiple vector points shows adaptation at the tissue level requires constant feedback within the physiology for rapid change in stressors that could potentially 
break the entire load bearing capacity. And at the forefront of that adaptation to daily stressors is the neurological system striving for coordination and healing from the constant breakdown at the cellular level affecting the stability, functionality, and form of spinal integrity. The neurological system is the head honcho for coordination and adaptation to the body's inherent recuperative powers and it does so by telling the tissue to compress and expand in that contiguous floating fulcrum point through constant communication of vital electrical chemical mental impulses from body to brain and back to body for adaptation occur. Most if not all of the communication taking place in these nerves are reflex in nature occurring so fast and so innately that you don't even have to think twice about where the position of any of your vertebrae are in order for normal tone to occur. The body's got this built-in mechanism to maintain itself in a state of optimal tension and tensegrity. Optimal adaptation requires optimal tension within the spine in order to protect these vital neurological communication taking place throughout the spine. If, if spinal tension is too much or not enough, it can, it can and does create physical interference to those vital neurological communication that's, that has that intimate relationship with spinal integrity. Spinal integrity affects neurological functionality. It's a known fact. And most people assume that this relationship, that the neurological interference is a physical bone put in direct pressure on the nerve. And that's the point of this whole series of tensegrity is to open up the idea and open up the mindset that this assumption is wrong for the most part. It may, it may it does happen with physical, physical interference from disc rupturing or vertebrae being compressed in nature. But I believe that the most common form of physical interference at that neurological level due to spinal integrity is not necessarily related to that elementary educational viewpoint of the spine being a two-dimensional stack of blocks, but rather a three-dimensional state of tensegrity within the spine that's creating a state of pulling in a state of tension within the soft tissue and even the heart tissue for that nature of too much or too little tension affecting the nerves. Very similar to a guitar string. If you string it too tight, the music doesn't produce an optimal tone. And if there's not enough tension on the guitar string, it doesn't produce enough as well. And so my opinion and my professional opinion is to keep in mind that an optimal spinal state of function relates directly to an optimal state of tension and tone within the spine. Thanks for joining, joining me on this episode. I had fun again, and I look forward to joining you on the next one as we continue to dive down the philosophy, science, and art of chiropractic. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode as I did. Let me know what you enjoyed about it 
by tagging us at Today's Tick on social media. And if this is your first episode, please subscribe. Leave us a review. Reviews help us spread the message about chiropractic and the location, analysis, and correction of vertebral subluxation. Share this episode with your friends, classmates, and colleagues. Be a champion and send them this episode. As B.J. Palmer said, you never know how far reaching something you think, say, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. As always, we like to end our episodes with the definition of chiropractic. Chiropractic is a healthcare discipline that recognizes the innate recuperative power of the body to heal itself through identifying and caring for vertebral subluxations due to the relationship between structure and function as coordinated by the neurological system and how that relationship affects the preservation and restoration of well-being. This information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, mitigate, or prescribe the use of any technique as a form of treatment for any physical conditions, symptoms, or diseases. Directly consult with a qualified healthcare professional for any chiropractic or medical advice. In addition to the benefits of chiropractic care, one should also be aware of the existence of some risk. Risk associated with some chiropractic care may include soreness, musculoskeletal sprain, strain, and fracture. In addition, there have been reported cases of stroke associated with chiropractic care. Research and scientific evidence do not establish a cause and effect relationship between chiropractic care and the occurrence of stroke. Rather, studies indicate that people may be consulting chiropractors when they are in the early states of a stroke. In essence, there is a stroke already in process. However, you are being informed of this reported risk.